0: Hello and welcome to Book Soup. I'm Meg. I'm Lauren. I'm Michelle. Pull up a chair as we serve you some of our favorite reads, tips of creativity,
1: and cultural observations. So relax and grab your favorite drink. Get ready to laugh. Fair warning this ain't no PBS.
0: <laughs> First
1: off, introductions.
0: My name is Meg, and you can find me on the web, should you be looking, under walkingmoose.com. That is my blog. And my other podcast, which is doing really pretty well, little pat on the back for me, is Walking Moose. My dog's name is Moose, just so you know um, what all that's about, what all that silliness is about. But I asked a couple of my dearest friends to join me on this journey and starting another podcast we're calling it book soup and so without further ado i'm going to go right here to my side and
2: introduce my friend lauren i'm lauren smith a usa today best-selling author i write the sort of books you hide under your bed from your mother Meg suckered me into this, by the way. You can find my books at www.laurensmithbooks.com and www.emmacastlebooks.com.
1: I'm Michelle Chapetta. I'm a writer slash editor slash book coach slash, slash, <laughs> slash sci-fi <laughs> fantasy fan slash cat owner. Um, I'm I got suckered into this because I'm the one with the house that we're recording in. That's right. They did promise me coffee and donuts. And so I can't really complain. I can easily be bought.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nobody was suckered in. They were dying. They were dying to do it. Right. Begging me. So,
1: and you can find me on chippermuse.com or michelleciapetta.com, which hopefully we'll have somewhere in our, podcast notes so people can spell my name
0: <laughs> yes we'll have it in the podcast notes if we, if i can figure out how to do that because i'm still pretty new at this podcasting thing but anyway so introductions all around and we're very excited that you joined us today cool
1: so today we're going to talk about mysteries um anything from agatha christie and arthur Conan doyle to whoever we're going to talk about probably some cozy mysteries, our favorite baking recipes. Ha ah, ha ha. We'll let Meg do that. Cause <laughs> she's the baker. And, um, you know, I'll probably talk a little bit more about Michael Connolly. but we'll we'll talk about different types of mysteries, what we like, what we don't like, um, what drives us crazy, because I can talk about that for an hour. I won't. I'll keep it short. <laughs>
0: I appreciate it. We'll do another episode, the What Drives Us Crazy episode. And that'll oh, be a man. good one. i going to listen late at night.
1: <laughs> With a nice glass of With wine. With a nice glass of wine. You can't
0: sleep. <laughs> Let's hear what these three women are really pissed off about.
1: Well, it's better than an infomercial. That's true. That's true. That's true. At 2 a.m. So, so, yeah. So, Meg? Okay. Meg's our resident mystery person, so... I don't know, well that
0: sounded weird, like I am a mystery, an enigma wrapped in a mystery.
1: Well, I appreciate Michelle saying that
0: I'm the uh, mystery, kind of the mystery queen, but I've read them for years. I read them, gosh, I think I started reading them, the very first mysteries I ever remember reading were, um, there was a Meg mystery series and she had, oh. I, don't, I don't remember her last name, but she had, um, Meg Cabot maybe or something like that. Or she romance anyway, sorry. I think she's an author, Meg Cabot, yeah. but this was like a little, this was a girl and she had just coal black braids. I remember she had these braids oh, okay. gotcha. and everything. And it was kind of a Nancy Drew sort of idea, but she was even younger. I want to say she was 10 or 11. Um, I can't remember what mysteries she solved.
1: Uh, I don't it's think like it was like a Brown type thing. Yeah. yeah. Kind of
0: like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that she was into like breaking up drug rings or anything <laughs> like that. I don't, I don't think it got that intense, but I've read them for years and I could talk all day about them. I could just do this, you know, for hours and hours, but I won't. Um, well, maybe I won't, we'll have to see, but I'll just say how long this one goes. But I, you know, I just love them in all different aspects of them. And I think that you can really break them down. There's um, cozies or classics, and then there's hard-boiled, and then there's procedural. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and can you guys think of any more? I mean, you can get a genre pretty much in any kind of mystery. You can get like a romance mystery and a thriller mystery.
1: Right. romantic suspense. Everything like that. But yeah. I think
0: that those would be sort of the three big main areas. Can you think of another one? She so got cozy classic.
1: I'll reiterate.
0: Yeah, cozy classic. <laughs> Procedural. Procedural. And then what I consider hard-boiled. And that's like Maltese Falcon. And
2: what about thrillers? Are thrillers mysteries? Well, I think so. If you're dealing with like, you know, usually when I think of a thriller, I think of like a mystery thriller. So it's like a trying to catch a serial killer chasing down um, a bad guy. There's usually some element of a mystery aspect where they're trying to solve a crime.
0: Yeah, but I think I'm going to push back on that a little bit because I think a thriller to me, a mystery to me, is where you're trying to figure out who actually has committed the crime. But a thriller, at least in my opinion, means you already know who's committing the crime. Mm.
1: You Maybe know? so. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm, as usual, Googling everything. And so one site lists four subgenres. Detective, I guess, would probably be your hard-boiled cozy police procedural and it's got a fourth called caper stories oh so, is that like heists and stuff i think that? Like so. yeah caper sounds like heists um, but i mean but- i
2: think there's there's a difference between thrillers of oh i know it's the bad guy down the street or or there's the unnamed serial killer haunting the town and the young woman's always trying to figure out who it is before she gets targeted by this bad guy who she doesn't actually know like what his face looks like or who he is but she just knows he's out there like to me you don't know that to me that's a still bit of a mystery yeah. I mean, but it's different than if you already know that it's Joe
1: Blow down the street who killed someone and you're trying to prove it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean this one's got some other subgenres like true crime and thriller and suspense, supernatural, soft boiled, whatever that is. Procedural Yeah. <laughs> <You> are <laughs> soft poor <laughs> right? I, I think the thing is that like a basic mystery is a is a basic thing, but there's so many ways that you can mash it up into other genres that it's right yeah sometimes hard to you know de- define is this a romantic suspense with some mystery in it or is it a mystery with some romance in it this is debatable deba- I think there's a lot you know, right? of sliding so, scales yeah so. a lot of sliding scales fair enough I think that's a fair assessment okay so let's talk about which genre we like you know uh, for me I probably lean towards the Uh, police procedurals and investigator type more than I lean towards cozies probably because I'm not necessarily a cozy person so much I mean I do enjoy those but I think that's probably not my happy place for the most part so I I like the hard-boiled stuff a little more
0: well see I think you have to put a distinction in though because I think there's a distinction between hard-boiled and police procedures. yeah and I okay. Have you ever heard of oh what is her name? I should have I should have made more notes. Janet Ivan Yeah. Janet Ivanovich? For sure. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I've Janet some of hers. Yes, and to me,
1: she is a more hard boiled than really procedural. What? Fair I mean, enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, like, I, and I think if we're going to define it that way, I I probably like that type of thing the best. It's, which it's, one? Ivanovich. Okay. So it's noirish. it's hard-boiled, but it's funny. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Um, I also do like things like Luther and Bosch, which I think, I guess you could argue that they're hard-boiled in their way because of the way that they're told, but they're very much police procedurals because you're tracking down who did it kind of thing. Well, I'm not having read much at all in the police
0: procedural genre. I tried to read one um, and Cleves because I really enjoy the Vera series, you know, on my Britbox. Oh, and yeah. so I got a Vera um, thinking it would be procedural. And I really couldn't get through it because...
2: I don't have an answer for
1: that. Is there something else I can help with? What is that? <laughs> Devices <laughs> become self-aware.
0: Oh, my God. My watch is talking to me.
1: I was, it. I was just looking at my Alexa, by the way, just to make sure it wasn't going off and I'm like, that's... Um, okay, anyway. sorry,
0: all the... But I don't think we ought to re-record that. You'll just have to... It's a live show, people. It's a live show.
1: <laughs> Plus, it's a British accent, and we're talking about British TV shows. It so was a seems... British accent. It How was? did you pick
0: that? I got... My kids set it up. But I, my kids it Anyway, so oh, as man. far as Vera, I wanted it to be a procedural because I wanted to read a good procedural, but it, it ended up being a lot about Vera herself, which I didn't really, I didn't really want that. I wanted it more like the uh, series that I watched on television, but all okay, of that so being you, said, yeah. because I don't have a lot of experience in procedural, tell me what that's like. Like, are you, do you actually, do you go to the morgue? Like what, what is reading a procedural like?
1: It can be like, uh, let me give you, let me see. Do I have it with me? Okay. So to me, Patricia Cornwell is a good example of a police procedural, but it's still going to have those elements of characters having relationships and trying to figure out their personal stuff. So that as part of the story, but yes, she's a, Forensic, she's a medical examiner actually, but like usually there's some elements of the forensics, the figuring out the clues, visiting the crime scene, um, interviewing suspects, uh, conflict between the person who's trying to solve the crime, right, like your hero versus other people in the department, right? So in a sense, I guess you could call it this you know, we can argue this, right? Like I'm thinking, I watch a lot of mystery TV shows and films too. And so we've been kind of downloading Dirty Harry. In some ways, I consider that sort of a police procedural, even though there's, it's hard boiled elements, he is trying to solve the crime. And there's lots of uh, conflict between him and the way he's doing things and his partner who he's going to get killed. It's always a Dirty Harry thing. And the people who are in charge, you know, the the commanding officer, the police, the the mayor's office, there's lots of that kind of tension because in solving a crime, if you're gonna write a book about it, there's gotta be lots of tension somewhere. And in police procedurals, I feel like it's that's a big part of it. The conflict about how the story gets solved and doing it in a way that's politically expedient is always a part of the story.
0: Okay, so coming in from the outside, looking at it from the outside, here's my take on, I just kind of want to say to my limited knowledge of the genre, here's my take on the differences. Mm -hmm. Looking at it from the outside, the difference that I see is that if you tell me that you're going to recommend a hard boiled mystery to me, I'm going to expect the protagonist of that story to be not in the police force. And then if you say procedural, I'm going to expect the protagonist of that story to be involved in the police force in some capacity. I've never read Patricia Cornwall. Um, I don't know. It's just never appealed to me, but I can honestly say I didn't realize that she was the protagonist, whatever the character's name is, was the forensics person. Yeah. I always thought she was actually the te- detective. And I thought that, and then that's very interesting to me. It's like because it seems like she would always be working out of her realm like, you know, we we wanted you to tell us how he was killed but it sounds like she goes beyond that.
1: Right, like her her challenges, and I haven't read all of Patricia Cornwell's, that's something that I've added new, but um, her challenge is in part that she wants to follow the science and follow the evidence and let's, you know, figure out what the evidence is things look like so if it looks like this person uh got murdered somewhere other than where the body was found she wants to deal with that but the mayor's office or the prosecuting attorney or whoever may have a different take on that so that is part of the story engine so to speak okay yeah and and i would agree that in the hard boiled, you do get more of the person who's sort of on the outside. And that's where the conflict comes from. I'm on the outside trying to solve this thing and you guys on the inside are not doing a good job.
0: Right. And another aspect of hard boiled is, and I don't know if you could say this for procedural because I have read some Dashiell Hammett, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it's kind of that when I say gritty, It's not even exactly like um, maybe the language, Mm -hmm. the way it's written. um, It's a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of comfort in those books. Because even if you have what you would consider a good guy or a good person, they're not really, you know, they have that, like, there's nobody who's really squeaky clean in
1: any of those books. Absolutely. And And that's part really where I think some of the overlap comes between those two genres because it's like for example the Michael Connelly Bosch books are about Hollywood homicide which you know LA confidential is similar right it's yes. technically oh i love that movie procedural but it's also very hardboiled because the, the none, nobody in that it's doing things for um a high oh, moral right, standing, you know or right like they that. all have their motives and they're all kind of selfish in their own way mm-hmm. or whatever you know the, the Russell Crowe character. I can't remember the the name of the character, but he wants to save a win, and maybe so he's the best of the the worst there. But
0: he's yes, but he's also
1: beating very, people in chairs. Right. He's very yeah. Right. So they, like, <laughs> that's what I'm. Chairs. That's the point, right? Like that. Even the best of the worst are still have terrible elements in them. So you get a lot more of that in hardboiled. But I think that there's definitely some overlaps there, where some police procedurals really do have dirty cops and questionable um, handling of evidence and stuff like, you know, dirty Harry, he'd never, you couldn't solve a crime like that and actually prosecute it because he's just violated everybody's civil (laughs) rights, you know, constantly. Right. So, but it's still a police procedural and in the way that he's trying to track down and he is in the system. He's in but outside okay. i think there's a lot of stories that ride that line okay so. fair enough anyway but yep yeah, i was gonna say that's all i've got to say So. Good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So now, um, to give our listeners a place to go to when they go to the library, or the bookstore, or anything like that, since you've read more in that genre than Warren or I have, if I if I'm someone who wants to get my
1: feet wet in procedural and or hard-boil both sections, what what are you gonna recommend? Okay, so I'm going to recommend for sure uh, Janet Ivanovich. I think is a lot of fun. Uh, I know that some people don't necessarily like her, but if you like comedy. Uh, along with your mystery and also characters who are definitely unique and quirky and kind of troubled she's a good fit if you like stories that involve maybe questionable narrators i I actually did like girl on the train
2: oh that's
1: a a really good one and very interesting and troubled uh, narrator so i guess that probably fits into sort of hard-boiled but you know anyway we can discuss where that fits later, but um, Sam Spade, I think is definitely an a necessary one that you have to read.
0: I think you should read at least one. I've read one.
1: Yeah. I think those are interesting. They're well-written and, you know, looking back in terms of finding somebody who's an older writer, you know, a, a past um, generation of writers that is still accessible. He's a good one. Uh, I do like Patricia Cornwell. I think those are really interesting if you like the aspect of kind of analyzing the crime. And Michael Connelly, I think, has really good, strong characters.
0: Give me a line, Michael. I'm not familiar with him at all.
1: So he's the writer of the Bosch series. So I'm pulling out a couple. Um, So if you want to start with TV instead of books, the Bosch series and the Luther series are really good examples of police procedurals that are okay that have characters that are troubled so michael connelly's got angel's flight black echo i think is the first one of his bosch series one of his latest ones is the drop and then he does he's he's done tons of books some of the books feature characters other than bosch as the protagonist but they're all in that hollywood homicide Mm -hmm. division which i think kind of if you're gonna read some hard-boiled police procedural stuff then for sure things like that and LA Confidential are good places to start because you get lots of the drama of Hollywood I mean who why wouldn't you want that I know why wouldn't you want that so
0: and you know it's one one of our last sightings of Kim Basinger before she went crazy <laughs> lovely woman kim if you're listening i'm only dazing i'm just teasing well i think we did a really good job covering hard boils and police procedurals so now let's talk about some cozy mysteries some of these are some of my favorites and i know lauren that you're a big cozy reader also so why don't you give us come on give us a give us your definition or we could look it up
2: of cozy mystery. I actually have a confession to make, and I have only read one cozy so far in my entire life. Oh, really? (laughs) But the story behind it is, I was never... It's like somehow, you know, people make fun of romance novels, and they never want to pick them up. Mm. That was kind of my approach to cozies for a while, and I thought, I'll never want to write them. I'll never want to read them. And then I started realizing that there were, like, paranormal witch cozies and, like, cat cozies. It wasn't always old ladies with yarn, which there's nothing wrong with that. I just assumed that that was all cozies were. I didn't know that there was this whole span of mysteries that, that weren't necessarily procedurals or, you know, hard-boiled mysteries like that. And so um, I decided to, be crazy and create a pen name and start learning how to write cozies. And I'm going to be releasing a story in July. So naturally I'm like, Oh, I better go and read something before I figure out how to write it. So the very first cozy I read was called Kitty Confidential by Molly Fitz. And it's short and fun. And it's basically about this, um, young woman who works at a legal office for lawyers and her bosses, I believe it was his mother-in-law or I'm sorry if I'm getting it wrong, but basically she died and her cat um, helps the Legal assistant solve the crime and the and she has an accident she gets shocked by a toaster and then the next thing known, she wakes up she can hear the cat talking to her so and the cat is really sassy he's just this his his name is Octavius and he's got like ten other names that go with it and they the names get longer and longer throughout the book every time he reminds her what his name is it's really funny and so I just enjoyed kind of the byplay of the cat sidekick actually talking and being a a. You know, and a lot of the other cozies that I've started researching, the cat is there and it helps them solve the crime, but you never hear the cat's voice. You know, they just kind of meow and show up at the crime scene and, you know, do cool cat stuff, right. you know. But this was kind of a new fun twist. And now she's developed an entire series in this uh the, the pi pet whisperer series and it's just kind of all the themes of these animals that can talk and it's that's fun and it's just really really cute and fun and i thought well that's so different so that's been my first exposure and the next book that i'm excited to read is a little more in the vein of kind of a little more traditional cozy mystery no talking animals but it's the liss mccrimmon mysteries by caitlin dunnett and the first book is kilt dead and Mm. it's this woman who used to be a a scottish dancer and she's had an injury so she's retiring and now she's back in like maine living with her aunt or something like that and she's in people she keeps finding dead bodies near this little like scottish um like shop that she runs it has kind of little Scottish knickknacks and everything in Maine uh-huh. so all these fun titles play off of the word word kilt instead of killed and so I it's like very it. very cute so I'm excited to to read that and just kind of get deeper into witch cozies and other things like that well I have been a cozy mystery reader from way back
0: as a matter of fact I have a few right here and I I just wanted to say that I think i love cozies and one of the reasons that i love cozies let me go back before i talk about why i love cozies let's sort of define a cozy mm-hmm. michelle do you have a cozy definition
1: i don't necessarily have a cozy definition but i can tell you what i think of cozies and then you can tell me if i'm right or wrong right okay, like, okay, so okay. to me a cozy is um a lay person who um i, I think of murder she wrote is a perfect example of this, a lay person who for whatever reason has an interest in Um, a mystery that shows up in their, you know, front porch, so to speak, you know, their neighborhood or friend that they have or something like that. And they have some kind of vested interest in figuring out what happens, but they don't have the expertise of the police. So they are sort of inserting themselves into the um, discovery of what happens. And usually there's some elements that are related to domestic domestic life. And also there's usually not a lot of blood and guts in them. That's, that's my, and I expect them to have recipes in them.
0: <laughs> Isn't that mean? Okay. So I'm about to get heated on this because I feel like my friends are
2: bashing cozy mystery. I'm not. I just noticed there's a lot of balls and cats and yarn. All right.
0: I'm going to give you the definition of a cozy old mystery. Ladies. I'm going to give you the definition. First off the show, you are absolutely correct. You're always talking about an amateur. You're Mm -hmm. always talking about a someone who is not in, that is not their job to solve problems. Yeah. The amateur sleuth, the amateur sleuth. Mm -hmm. The other thing that you can always get from a cozy is that there's going to be a series. There's going to be more than one Mm -hmm. because people that like to read cozies, men and women alike, they want so much of the world and you know the crime right. at times can almost be secondary to the world um so the two i brought two i brought um a cookbook nook mystery yes got a lot of oaks mm-hmm. as lauren said <laughs> and that's by daryl wood gerber and then one of my all-time favorite series is by monica ferris and she does the cruel world series and it's all about this needlepoint shop it's very cool so anyway she so got an amateur and you've got, you know, there's a series aspect to it. And then, you know, there's a lot of world building in it. And then the other thing that I love about Cozy Mysteries is that you all, at least I, always learn something. Because the people that tend True. to write Cozy Mysteries tend to write it with their passions and interests in mind. Setting and
1: or Setting skills.
0: or skill set or anything yeah. like that. I think that's fair. If you have any kind of interest, then you can find a cozy mystery that has to do with it. Dog breeding, gardening, cooking, beer making, coffee making, book making, scrapbooking, quilting. I mean, seriously, you can find a cozy mystery anywhere in it. And the other thing I love about the cozy mystery too, is that there's not a lot of, just as you pointed out, there's not a lot of gore and violence. Now that's not to say that people don't, Perish mm-hmm. in horrible ways. Um, you know, they get pokers through the eyes, or you know, everything like that. I mean, those those are horrible happens, ways to perish. Happens off stage, though, right? And it's not dwelt on, right? You know, that's one of my biggest problems with Stephen King. Mm. Um, and we only will do another podcast talks about horror, and so I want to say my Stephen King stuff. But Stephen King will tell me a lot. About what the body looks like and the maggots eating it and, you know, everything like that. And I just really, I don't really care that much. I mean, just <laughs> all I need to know is they're dead and we don't know who did it. Right. And so that's that's something with the cozy mystery. But I love a cozy. I don't think there's anything cozier than a Cozy. I just, I love them. And I think if anybody, you know, wants to get interested in going to read a cozy mystery, I'm not, and I'll, I'll tell this to Lauren is that I'm not really a big talking animal cozy mystery person. I've tried some of those. There's a lot out there. Mm -hmm. People really like those, but that to me borders that goes into fantasy. And so I want my cozy mystery to be very cozy mystery. And I think that when you have animals talking or even an object stalking, there's, there's um, a large sub genre of cozy mysteries that have to do with witches and ghosts and everything like that. And I found that I really don't like those that much either. Because and those are the ones
2: I'm excited about.
0: <laughs> yeah, because it's just, you know, that blurs into the fantasy realm for me. And I yeah. like a good fantasy book and I like a good mystery book, but for some reason those just never, I never really enjoy those. The reason
2: I'm excited about, you know, I, I mean, I'm a paranormal romance writer. So I write about, you know, dragon shifters and it's all dark and edgy and broody. And, you know, there's a part of me that, you know, I'm just I, I'm a huge like witch fan. I love like Halloween. That's my favorite holiday. And much to my mother's ha- shame, I would leave it decorated 365 days a year. if She let me. <laughs> but, um, you know, I love the witches and the cauldrons. And so when you're a lot of times when you're reading, you know, witch paranormal romances, most of the time they're grittier and edgier. And so I've noticed in the cozy market, you have these you know, witch cozies where it's like the cute little witch that runs like a magic potion shop. And, you know, she has these spells and maybe she's a really good witch. Maybe she's a really bad witch. And I mean, as far as like her talents, not that she's a black or white dark witch, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? (laughs) Like practicing dark magic, but it's just really, really cute. And I thought, well, this is kind of where, you know, lighthearted paranormal stories have really found a new home in the last couple of years. And I, had no idea that's kind of where they had been growing and so i'm really excited to write some of those and kind of get into those where you know these little witches are solving murders i just think it sounds like super cute well yeah. they, i
0: mean and that's and i will say that i mean, well i was just in the bookstore a couple of weeks ago masked up i was masked up six <laughs> feet away from everyone um but there's a lot there's like magical dress shops and there's you know magical bakeries and everything like that my thing with that though is that and I and I can read that and appreciate it. As a matter of fact, I read one about a woman who was who moved to Salem. Gosh, I wish I could remember so I could recommend it to you oh, yeah. she moved to Salem. She was descended from witches. She <gasps> didn't realize that she was. And so she got involved with the coven of her ancestors or anything like that. And uh, and they had this cat that was disappearing and everything like that. And I enjoyed the heck out of that one.
2: If you I remember, remember what that is, is
0: you would tell got tell me. I got it. it. I know I bought okay. it. I can even see the cover. All right, um, find it and send me a picture later. I will. I'll send you a picture later. And and I enjoyed the heck mm. out of that. But would I consider that a cozy mystery? No, because because of the fact that the magical elements often resolve the crime. Mm. You know, and sure. I don't think that's fair. I don't. I don't think you're playing fair when you do that. So for our last genre, we're gonna talk about classics, classic mysteries. And I don't know that we have a certain time period or if we have a certain decade or whatever, but I think that we all, when you say Mm -hmm. classic mysteries, I think we can all throw something in the pot there. So
1: what do do you got, Michelle? What's your, what's a classic mystery for you? Well, I I already told you, I was gonna throw in the the circular staircase because I um, am expanding what I read to, include classics that I haven't read and that's that's definitely on the list. She preceded Agatha Christie. Mary Roberts Rinehart. Talking yes, about Mary Yes. Yes. And I, I love that book. I think that is super fun. The the heroine is um kind of, you know, the typical feisty person who's trying to get this mystery solved because nobody else knows what they're doing thing and it's just it's a lot of fun, so. I, I love it
0: too. I also think that you could put in, obviously, the Sherlock Holmes, yep. Agatha Christie, Rex Stout, we were yep. just talking about. Ellery Queen, yeah. Ellery, the Ellery Queen ones, um, John Dickinson Carr. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Mary Roberts Reinhardt is one of my all time favorite mystery writers. I like her better than Agatha Christie. I like Agatha Christie, but I love Mary Roberts Reinhardt. Just think she's fantastic. Yeah. But so John awesome. Dickinson Carr too. I mean, he did yeah. all those locked room mysteries. Oh, okay. Yeah. So those are really good. Um, GK Chesterton. Have you guys read any of the Father Browns?
1: I haven't read any of the Father Browns, actually, now that you mention that. I thought I read something by him, but I can't remember what it was. What I about you, Lauren?
2: What do you have for classic mysteries? I haven't read any classic mysteries. See previous comment. I have only read one cozy mystery, let alone <laughs> any classic <laughs> mysteries.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I read, I'm looking at a list here. Have you read Patricia Highsmith, like Strangers on a Train, and all those that, uh, um, you know, anything like that that uh, Hitchcock did? Oh, yeah. It's girl on a Train. <laughs> I mean, it's listed under Classic Mysteries. It's uh, Wentworth
0: you know. on there? Patricia Wentworth?
1: Um, I, Let me pull this up. This is a USA Today list that I'm Googling, as usual. You know, you have to the Google respect the Google. Respect the Google. <laughs> Um yeah, let me see if that other one is on the list. But uh I thought that was interesting too, because I tend to forget about Patricia Highsmith. And um but you know, figuring out the who done it in some of her stories is pretty important. I don't know if she's strictly mystery though. That's debatable. Uh no, the the person you mentioned is not on this particular list.
0: I would go with uh, you know, even Nancy Drew would be a classic.
1: This one has mystery. Dorothy Sayers.
0: Dorothy Sayers, I've read Dorothy Sayers.
1: P.D. James. I read hers. I read, was Martha Grimes on there? I had a Martha Grimes period. Um, She's not on this list, but that's a good one to add. I like Martha Grimes. Um, P.D. James, I only read a couple of P.D. James. I'm not, I've only read read one of hers, but it wasn't a mystery. It was uh, um, Children of Ben.
0: Um, It's a different type. I'm saying, okay, I don't even know what that is. Wilkie Collins? <laughs> um, I've I, read a Wilkie Collins. Which one? The Moonstone? Yeah, I've read The Moonstone.
1: Yeah. I read the That Moonstone. totally fits into classic. Okay, all right, so, so I have read one.
0: Has anyone ever read The Mystery of Edwin Drood? I have, actually. Yes, yeah. So what? Uh, I, I mm. have it, you know? So what did you guys think on that? Was it a mystery? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: And actually, it's unfinished Dickens which is interesting, you know, here's my major stuff that I'm like, oh, I'm all excited to talk about this and nobody else cares. (laughs) Um, But it's like, it's a really good piece of Dickens writing. And I'm really bummed that it never got finished. He died basically before he finished it. Um, But it's like the first official serial killer story that we know of in literature, I think, you know, and it would have been really interesting to see how he ended it you know what i mean and so i had all the classic dick and stuff lots of great characters and memorable and stuff but it also had a unique kind of modern feel that a lot of his other stuff doesn't quite have Mm -hmm. and yeah i mean you're, you're kind of rooting for okay who who killed drood and you're thinking it's probably his uncle but you you know you're I don't know. I, I would definitely recommend reading that if you can tolerate reading something that doesn't have an ending. Oh, well, you know what I think is really interesting. One of the reasons I brought that up is when you
0: talk about classic mysteries and you talk about Sherlock Holmes, let's mm-hmm. just use him for example, right? Could you even use Edwin Drew? You have those iconic mysteries, those iconic figures of which there's so many spin-offs mm. of. Sure. Um, and I remember years ago, seeing a spinoff of Charles Dickens encountering someone on a train. It was a fictionalized uh, version of how he came up hmm. with the mystery of Edwin Drood. that we saw someone on a train or something like that. And my, my stream of consciousness thought here is that when you talk yeah, about classic right. mysteries, the, the reason I think people ought to familiarize themselves with classic mysteries is because there's so much of those, so many of those spinoffs go into other things that you read. Like, okay. Yeah, so the Moonstone sure. was not, I can't remember. Did anyone get killed in the Moonstone? It's been so long. I read it in college. Can't I can't remember. remember. Um, but you know, the Moonstone was, yeah, you know, I think about romancing the stone. Remember that movie, you know, when they were oh, all, yeah. you know, you have the iconic thing, whatever it is, that they're all searching for and everything like that. That seems to have, you know, a little bit of that supernatural oh, power to it. Maltese and,
1: Falcon. Yeah. You know, you know. Yeah. I sure. really. Uh, so, the, the MacGuffin.
0: The MacGuffin. I don't know what that is. What is a MacGuffin?
1: It's just a term for, um, and I think... A writing term. Was it Hitchcock who invented it or was somebody else? But it's essentially the idea that the mystery surrounds the idea that everybody's hunting for something, and mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter what it is. And, it might as well be a MacGuffin, a, yeah. a non-existent the, thing. The, the
2: tradition is it's usually an object, but now that, you know, we're writing has kind of expanded, the MacGuffin can now represent any one thing that they're trying to go after so it doesn't have to be an object but like think about like the you know the Raiders of the Lost Ark you know the Ark was the MacGuffin of the story.
1: Okay yeah, Mm -hmm. got it. Maltese Falcon is a is a good example of this because if you've seen that or read the book it's this thing that everybody's after and you almost don't even know why they're after it except that it's supposedly worth money but why does anybody want it? What is what even is it? Right. It doesn't really matter it's just the What matters is that everybody thinks it's worth something. So everybody's fighting over it.
0: Yeah. And I think that, you know, you bring up the Maltese Falcon again, and we're talking about classic mysteries again. I think that, you know, let's, let's put Maltese Falcon in both those categories. Let's put Mm -hmm. it in hard boiled and in classic. Sure. I think you can put it in both of those. And I think that one of my, all time favorite books in the entire world is Mary Roberts Reinhardt The Red Lamp, which is mystery. It's a classic mystery, but it's also a paranormal mm. mystery. You can put it in there and get into the chef subgenres. Sure. Subgenres. Okay, we're winding up our show about mysteries, and I just sort of wanted to go around, and we, when we were waiting for something to load here a moment ago, we had a wonderful discussion about television shows and books and movies and everything like that, that really, really, um, oh, I can't think of the word, feed our love of mysteries, because sometimes you want to read a book, and sometimes you just want to watch it, mm-hmm. So, Lauren, you were just talking about something really interesting that you had seen as far as mysteries.
2: Yeah. So I um, I've never really read any procedural um, books, and I and I only really enjoy procedural shows if they're super procedural, like an actual like the first forty eight hours or Dateline or something like that with true crime. Or on the opposite end, I really like. Um, stories where yeah, there's a, a string of murders they're trying to solve, but the the focus is the emotional impact of the um, people and the the police or
1: the you probably you know, like Luther then, but yeah. So
2: that. so Whitechapel, which was on BBC a couple of years ago, the it's just amazing the character arcs emotionally that the two detectives who get paired together and their emotional issues while they're facing these horrific Jack the Ripper crimes. And I just was really drawn to that because it sucked Mm. me in from a psychological thriller standpoint. And it wasn't just about, oh, dum-de-dum-de-dum, we're solving Jack the Ripper copycat murders. Like, it could have been very boring and just sort of on the nose. And instead, it was Mm. done really, really well where you're emotionally bonding and being traumatized along with the detectives as they go through this.
1: Yeah, that
0: sounds good. That does. I mean, that does sound good. I love Jack the Ripper. Like, anything Jack the Ripper. I will give it a whirl, at least. It may not all be good, but I will give it a whirl, at least. Um, but what about you, Michelle? Let's talk about some of your... You're sending people out with a, what their call to action is watch this, read this.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, if you if you like hard-boiled stuff that gets into the nitty-gritty, for sure, Luther. Um, I think the Bosch show is actually really well done. There's a nice mix of...
0: Is that on regular TV? Or, like, where oh, do you hell, no. That? hell
1: no, like, hell <laughs> no. These things are on Netflix, Netflix and Amazon Prime. Um, Luther's a BBC show, so it's probably on BritBox. Bosch somewhere. is Amazon Prime. Yeah, Bosch's Amazon Prime. I actually know the executive producer on that show right now. He's a Ooh. really nice guy. Ah, oh, cool. Yeah. Note for later after we're off the <laughs> show. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are those are. The ones I can recommend right now. I'm sure there's others, but I'm just forgetting. If you want something super funny and super light, uh, the Father Brown Mysteries are a lot of fun. We we pull those out every once in a while just when we want something that's kind of funny, like there's an awful lot of people dying in this tiny little town. <laughs> 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 but they're fun. Um, so those are the ones I'd recommend. Okay. Well, I mean, I
0: I think that I would go with, you know, my call to action would be get in that cozy mystery section mm. and see if you can find your hobby is going to be in there pretty much whatever it is.
1: Do your you hobby a, is going to be in there. A cozy mystery TV show that you'd recommend? 100% Midsummer Murders. Okay. The
0: best, I've I heard think good it's things the about the best mystery series. And let me tell you why, because first off it's hugely long. They And so you really get to know the characters and the same characters. It's kind of, you know, that Father Brown type of feel where the people in this midsummer constable, I don't know, it's probably it's a series of um, murders that happen in all these villages that kind of touch each other. They must have the highest death rate <laughs>
2: right. anywhere Murder in the world. Murder
0: capital of the world.
2: Murder capital mid-summer. of the world.
0: <laughs> but it's the same thing as the cozies um, mm. in that you're always they always have some sort of um, topic or hobby or something mm-hmm. that you're going to learn about in it. Like one of them that we watched recently was about falconing. These people that were into falconings. Mm. That's cool. But then it also has a procedural edge to it. Because, you know, they do spend a lot of the time in the uh, detective's office mm-hmm. and with George, the medical examiner. And they kind of talk about things like that. Midsummer Murders. Check it out. Best star, and you can take a tour. Oh. You can take a tour. You can go over there and, you know, get on a bus tour. That's and go around. It's so much fun.
2: So we didn't talk about the Queen of Mysteries, Agatha Christie.
0: No, we had the whole
2: mystery thing, and we didn't even talk about Aggie. Which, um, I've read a million of those. I don't know why it didn't occur to me until just now. I'm sitting there going, what TV shows are like, oh, Miss Marple. Wait, Agatha Christie. How have we not talked about this? For sure. Maybe we'll just do a separate (laughs) separate episode. episode Yeah, we could totally do an Agatha Christie episode.
0: I mean, I think that we ought to just, you know, Lauren. I mean, close us out. Take us out. Because, I mean, you can't talk about mysteries without talking about Agatha Christie. I think we would be remiss. All right, Lauren, so close us out with some Agatha Christie tips and tidbits
2: and calls to action. So I got into reading Agatha Christie when I was in high school, back in the days when Beloved Borders was still around, and mm. I would get like the 30% off one item coupon, and I just started going through all of the Agatha Christies one at a time, and I oh, think fine. I read nearly all of her books. Now, she's got, I don't want to put a number on it, but more than 50 maybe something like that um yeah look it up and figure out and so um but some of my favorites were death on the nile because she picks these really cool locations i mean a lot of them are england-based but then some of them are you know in egypt or you know other and she plays on british society and she she really does a good job of coming up with new fresh you know murders how many was it 60 60
1: detective novels 14 short story collections okay
2: And so, um, and they're, they're always different. I mean, some are better than others, but almost all of them are just completely worth reading. And there's never one that I'd be like, oh, skip that one. It sucks. They all are actually really fantastic. And if there's one thing I could complain about among many things to complain about with the pandemic is that the new Death on the Nile movie that was supposed to come out uh, last Christmas did not come out because of stupid pandemic. So I was very upset because I'm really loving the new Kenneth Branagh adaptations he's doing. Oh, sure. He did midnight on the Orient express a few years ago. And that was a fabulous adaptation. And I'm so excited about the death on the Nile one. Yeah.
0: Makes sense. I can't wait for death on the Nile either. So hopefully that will be coming out too soon. So, well, anyway, we're closing it out. Thanks for listening to our mystery books and movies and TV show podcast. And we will catch you next time on Book Soup. Well, thanks for joining us on Book Soup on our episode for this week. Hope you had fun listening to us.
2: Stay- Insert Lauren's clever commentary. <laughs>
1: of interviewing you all to drink too much. That's right. Please
2: come back. Please come back.
0: Please listen again and watch for our next episode. It's going to be fantastic. Absolutely. Check you later. Bye. Bye.